0: Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in partnership with London and Capital and focusing on Cayman Islands as a captive domicile, recent trends and what imminent new investment guidelines mean for captives in the jurisdiction. This discussion was recorded at the Cayman Captive Forum in December. Luke Harrison, our senior reporter, is joined by Darren Treasure, Executive Director and Head of Caribbean Office at London and Capital, and Rob Ledbetter, Senior Vice President at USA Risk. Darren has appeared on the Global Captive podcast previously, so we begin with an introduction from Rob about his background and USA Risk's profile as a captive manager.
1: Uh, like most people here, came down for two years. The plan was to stay for two years and then go home. 22 years later, I'm still here. Uh, I've been with USA Risk Group for about uh, 17 years. I was actually the first employee of USA Risk Group in Cayman. I opened the office for them uh, back in 2005. Uh, USA Risk Groups has, a, has had a long history, about 40 years. Um, originally, based off the name, it started in the US, uh, Vermont. Over the years, it's moved around and had um, done business in a lot of different domiciles, both onshore as well as sort of what we consider the international market, which would be places like Cayman and Bermuda and places like that. Um, about four years ago, we went through a, uh, a management buyout, myself and uh, three of my partners. Um, bought USA Risk Group. Uh, we moved the head office to Cayman, so our main operation is here in Cayman now. Uh, we have 16 staff, um, 25 staff across the company, 16 here in Cayman. Uh, we consider ourselves an independent manager. Um, we're not tied to a broker or an investment house or a law firm or anything like that. All we do is captive management uh, and you know, act on behalf of our clients.
2: Awesome. And uh, Darren, you know, what, what kind of presence and client base does London and Capital have in the Cayman Islands and what kind of captives do you work with? So
3: London and Capital, we don't have a physical office in, in Cayman. We tend to come in and visit Cayman several times a year, work closely with the insurance managers. Uh, we have several clients with different insurance managers, uh, USA Risk being one of them. And uh, we tend to service our clients kind of remotely and then attend meetings if required. We'll, we'll fly to Cayman or wherever we need to. Um, so we really just try to service the region from Barbados, but Cayman is one of our um, significant uh, jurisdictions that we look at and we service. So we have multiple clients here, both on a standalone captive basis, a segregated cell or seg- segregated portfolio company basis, um, you know, ensuring multiple risks. We see obviously a strong relationship between the US and, and Cayman, so there's a lot of US risk here being insured. Um, I would say most of the captives we, we, we deal with in terms of a client base are US uh, parented captives and we, we also have a, a, a pan-Caribbean captive here that is domiciled in Cayman. So we see um, a good diversification of risks: workers comp, PNC, uh, general liability, catastrophe risk, medical malpractice. So. Um, there's quite a lot going on in Cayman, um, a lot of different business lines. Uh, we service large and small accounts, anywhere from like half a million to hundred million. So we find Cayman's a very active market for us and a good place for us to be.
2: Understood, understood. And uh, Rob, for those listeners not so familiar with Cayman, can you give us a bit of information on, on the domiciles profile? I mean, I know most people will probably be aware that it's, uh, it's quite a big uh, healthcare domicile um, but, you know, are, are there any? It would be good to hear about some of the different license types, uh, you know, for captives and insurers in the region.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so Cayman, you know, I think everyone knows sort of Bermuda was the, the, the start of the captive um, industry. Cayman was came on, you know, just after them. They were kind of the number two domicile. To be honest, we've always kind of chased Bermuda. Um, in terms of the more recent years, you know, I think our numbers. In the last three years, we're kind of closing in on Bermuda as being the number one domicile overall. Definitely, from a healthcare perspective, um, Cayman's kind of been known as the healthcare domicile. I think approximately 30 to 40% of all business uh, in Cayman is healthcare related. Um, That's very typical of our book of business, it's kind of in that range. Um, From a licensing standpoint, I think in the what we consider sort of the captive um, segment of that, the license class is, it's a Class B license, um, there's three types of Class B licenses, Class B1, Class mm. B2, Class B3. Um, the, the type of um, license is based on the amount of third party risk, mm. um, so for example a B1 captive can have up to 5% of third party risk. A B2 can have up to 50% third-party risk, and a B3 is typically a capital that has more than 50% of third-party risk. So in that B1 range, a lot of those healthcare clients that we talk about, those typical 501c health systems from the U.S., they're typically the B1s. Uh, The B3s, they're sort of more the more open market reinsurers, more traditional, um, almost like a commercial carrier. Um, In Cayman, there is a Class D license for a true uh, uh, a reinsurance company, but the yeah. B3 is somewhat of a bridge between the B class and the D class. That makes sense.
2: And you know cell captives have been particularly well utilized around the world, uh, particularly during the, you know the sort of the hard market cycle. You know Have you seen any increase in, in cell interest here in Cayman and you know what kind of cell structures are, are kind of available on the island? Absolutely, yeah. So actually I was looking
1: at some stats just this morning. I think it's close to 30% of all captives in Cayman are structured as a segregated portfolio company. Mm -hmm. So that's our version of that segregated cell, segregated portfolio Mm -hmm. um, type captive. There are two types here really in Cayman. There's the traditional segregated portfolio company. They've been around for a long time. That's sort of your traditional rent-a-captive structure um, where a participant can come in. Uh, It's one legal entity, but a participant can come in and rent a portfolio. Um, all assets and liabilities are segregated from the assets and liabilities of other um, portfolios. About, geez, I think we're probably going back seven or eight years ago, they introduced um, a new type of segregated portfolio, which is called mm-hmm. a PIC, which is a, a portfolio insurance company. That is um, more similar, I would say, to um, the segregated sell um, option that you see in the U.S. Um, So in that situation, each individual portfolio is a separate legal entity Mm -hmm. Um, and that gives a little more flexibility in terms of segregated portfolios can do business with each other, they can transact amongst amongst each other, Um, you can have a separate board of directors for each of the portfolios, it just gives it a little bit more robust. uh, from
2: a corporate governance standpoint. Cool. And w- w- why was that introduced originally? So
1: again, it, you know, to be honest with you, it, it was one. It was it was to alleviate some of those issues that the traditional SPC um, provided, which were the inability for two segregated portfolios to do business with each other because it was considered one legal entity. So it was difficult for two segregated portfolios in the same entity to transact business. And two, I think it kind of followed on from what we were seeing being done in some of the U.S. domiciles. Yeah. Um, with yeah. them having new legislation allowing um, separate incorporated cells,
2: it was sort of uh, in relation to that. Yeah, and have they been quite popular since the introduction? They, they, they have. They,
1: they, I think there, there's a, a definite subset of them and they're used for some particular reasons. I don't think they've taken off as much as maybe they thought they would in terms of their utilization, the segregated portfolio companies as a standalone, those companies continue to, like I said, I think 30% of most captives in Cayman are structured that way. So I think it has continued that the the standard segregated portfolio company has probably been the more popular of the two, but when needed and when required, the pick gives another
2: option. Yeah, that makes sense. And Darren, can you just tell us a little bit about how you work with cell captives in, in, in Cayman?
3: Right. So again, the cell captive structure—that's uh, something that's very important to us—and we do see um, growing uh, amongst all the jurisdictions that we're involved with. Um, what London Capital brings to the table, in particular, is really that economies of scale. So we're really looking to partner with the the managing um, insurance manager or the whoever the whoever controls the cell structure, and really just provide a consolidation of services. So whether it's you know working with one custodian that we introduce to the. To the captive owners, whether it's you know one uh, investment portfolio statement, um, so that you know the, the investment management is really standardized across the, the cells. Um, we do have some ability to be flexible and create some customization based on individual cell owners and, and what they and they, what they're looking for. But generally across a, a, a portfolio segregated portfolio company, you would see a very similar IPS across all the cells. Um, you know we have a, a great reporting system in terms of Clearwater reporting. So we offer that to the, the cell owners and the cell structure itself. So with that reporting, you consolidate all the cells into one report. You can report on, the grou- on individual groups that you customize, or you can report on individual cells. So it's a really a flexible uh, tool that allows the, the manager of the, the structure to really um, customize and, and create a bespoke um, reporting package to the, to the owners. So, yeah, we do, we do really look at it as a, you know, we're one part of that structure in terms of hoping to make everyone's life a lot easier, um, like I said, achieving the economies of scale, and really just, you know, combine, um, you know, high levels of service so that, you know, the, the, the cells structure itself is attractive to, to new participants and that they know what they're getting as, as kind of a complete package
2: when they decide they want to um, own a cell for their own reasons that makes sense and uh, you know Rob has there been any uh, new regulatory rules or guidelines of interest uh, you know to captives recently in Cayman
1: from a from a Cayman perspective they take a very much a risk-based approach from a regulatory standpoint um, it seems like over the last you know three or four years there's been a constant rollout of, of, of new um, either rules or statements of guidance. But in, the, in this last year, there was a new rule and a statement of guidance on uh, investment portfolios. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it applies to all classes, the class B1, B2, B3. There are a number of um, stipulations in there that apply just to the B2s and B3s. It doesn't impact the B1s as much, um, but it's really more, I think, making sure from a corporate governance standpoint that the board has oversight over the investment policy or so the investment policy statement and the investment portfolio um, and making sure that you know the board is looking at their investment portfolio really with a risk management mindset and making sure that you know they're in the right asset mix they're in the right duration and they're you know making sure that the the type of investments they're making makes sense for the business that they're in
2: yeah, and have how have companies found the, the new regulation so far? Yeah, it, it hasn't been that bad. It, it's you know
1: it's it's a little extra work in terms of beefing up the investment policy statement that all companies are required to have. Um, we work as the insurance manager. We typically work with the investment manager um, with the client um and and make sure that that investment policy statement covers off all of the requirements under the guidance so um that rule came out earlier this year its uh, implementation date is early in 2023 and so i think um, especially right now at this conference here today um, a lot of clients are talking about it and it's one of the things that's uh on our radar for all understood the and
2: just on that and and question for both of you um but, but Darren, you're probably better place to answer it what, what does this new rule mean for for investment policies and, and what, what work needs to be done uh, you know in advance of that February deadline
3: right so as Rob mentioned there are some particular rules that apply to the components of the investment policy statement that the SEMA is looking for. So I would imagine the first instance, the insurance manager along with the asset manager and the client will review their investment policy statement to see where the gaps lie. And um, by what I can see, it looks like most will probably have some slight beefing up to do in terms of including some additional documentation around their IPS to satisfy the the regulator. It's looking like in general a very collaborative process. It really is, as Rob mentioned, addressing the governance and the risk management of the the Mm -hmm. investments. Um, so there will be some work to be done between the kind of the three main parties, being the asset manager, uh, insurance manager, and the and the owners. Um, I guess you know there's some probably some gaps in terms of I'm sure that the insurance manager are talking about in terms of what is SEMA looking for specifically. You know, are we talking about documented controls, undocumented controls? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they going to be coming in and, and reviewing? These rules to make, make sure they're being followed. I, I suspect some of the smaller captives might find it a little more onerous just because of resources and, and the time it might take to just put all the documentation in place if that's kind of the level that SEAM is looking for. So, you know, it's an exercise that is going to have to be done, obviously, as the regulator puts out the rules. I, I expect they're, they're meant to be followed. So, um, you know, again, as London and Capital sees it, you know, this is just kind of part and parcel to the service that we offer. We work with the insurance managers to provide. You know, this level of service to make sure that you know they're complying with their regulatory uh, regime so um, we don't see that as kind of outside the scope of our service yeah.
2: and we're quite uh, willing to jump in there and, and get involved understood so there's, there's still a few unknowns about kind of how how it's going to play out is that right
1: yeah i think with any with any new guidance that comes from the regulator there's kind of a feeling out period um CIMA, along with imac which is the insurance manager association always work closely on these things um, there was uh, industry consultation before it was initially rolled out, but obviously even after things roll out, there's, there's questions. And there is, uh, it, I'm happy to say that there is a good dialogue between IMAC and SEMA to kind of work through some of those sort of what-if scenarios and make sure that everyone understands what the requirements are and are able to implement them before the, the deadline next year.
2: Before we go guys, is there anything else either you would like to, to, to add? Uh,
3: I'll just say from my perspective, uh, this is the first time I've attended the uh, Cayman Captive Forum and I'm, I'm very impressed. It's It's been well attended, I believe. It sounds like it's record attendance this year in terms of the in-person component, which is great. So it's great to be back in Cayman, seeing people face to face, seeing the, the amount of uh, growth and, and excitement around the industry it seems like Cayman's really um, got a bright future ahead of it
0: well thank you to Luke Rob and Darren for that update from the Cayman Islands if you would like more information on London Capital and their captive investment management services then visit their friend of the podcast page on the captive intelligence website there are also links in the episode show notes in the meantime stay safe stay well and see you next time captives!